1: Our first lesson today comes from Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 65, starting in verse 17. Listen now to the Word of God. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating for I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it, nor the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, And the one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord, and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent its food shall be dust, and they shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I invite you to
0: stand as you are able, in body and in spirit, that we might hear the Scripture, the story of the resurrection is recounted in the Gospel of John. Let us listen that we may hear what God may be saying to us this day. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as they had not yet did not understand the Scripture, that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stayed and stood outside, weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, they have carried him away. Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, That he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Please be seated. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. It is good to be here. It is good to be able to say with conviction and hope, Christ is risen. The difficulty of Good Friday, the waiting of Holy Saturday is past. It is Easter Sunday, and we are here to worship God, to give thanks for the power of resurrection. The hope of new life. I'm aware that every one of us, for a whole variety of reasons, are here today. Some of those reasons we state and we celebrate, and some of those reasons may be more in the interior of our being. Maybe we can't even quite put them into words. We're looking for something, but not sure what. I invite you to finish this sentence. You don't have to do this out loud, of course, but finish the sentence. I came to church this morning because some of those reasons that we would state might be that because it is Easter. I came to church this morning to hear the music and the hallelujah chorus. I came to church this morning because I was asked. But then there are those reasons that are rattling around inside of us, unformed or maybe even more formed than we want to, but we don't want to say. I came to church this morning because it was expected. I came to church this morning because I had better not show up at the family luncheon without having gone to church first. I came to church this morning because... You fill in those blanks. Maybe, like Mary in the gospel story this morning, we came this morning because we were looking for something. But what is it? What is it? Each one of the four gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the the books that tell us about Jesus' life. In each one of those, there are different variations on this particular account, what happens to Jesus in his trial and, and, and crucifixion and resurrection. And in John's account, as in all the others, Jesus is risen. Jesus is not there. The stone is removed. It is rolled away. The tomb is open. But there are differences in details. There's an old saying that where there are two Presbyterians, there are at least three opinions, and I think that's probably true of the gospel writers as well. And maybe it's not that. It, maybe there's more to it that we are more like them than we want we might want to admit. We get that stuff honestly and naturally. The common interpretation is that Mary went to the tomb to attend to the body of Christ. It had been hurriedly taken down on Friday when Christ was executed, when he was crucified, and he was dead. He needed to be put, the body needed to be taken care of and put away, and there was not enough time to properly prepare it for burial. The Sabbath came, no actions could be taken. So early on that third day, that Sunday morning, that Easter morning. They were eight, they then went and were going to prepare the body. John's gospel, though, says it a little bit differently. In, in the verses right before where I began reading in John 19, that gospel writer says, they, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, Took the body of Jesus and they wrapped it and they put spices on it and linen cloths according to the burial customs of the Jews. John's Gospel doesn't say why Mary went, just that she did. And that is congruent with all of the other accounts of the Gospels. Mary went. I'd like to think that she went to be a witness that she went to bear testimony to the relationship, the way in which Jesus had interacted in her life as her master and her teacher, as a friend, the way in which she had known him and come to see and live in the world differently because of him. She went to stand by his grave, as it were, to stand by the tomb, as a sentinel. But when she got there, something was different and amiss. Something that wasn't expected. The stone that had been used to seal the tomb was gone. It was removed. It wasn't there. When a body is buried, the tomb is sealed. When we go to the cemetery and we conduct a, c- a ceremony, we seal the tomb. We seal the casket. It is buried and gone and out of sight. But the seal was gone. The stone was gone. It had been removed. And Mary is there as a witness it is notable that Mary went because John tells us others did not. She was the only one. And when she sees this, she runs back to the other disciples and she, she tells Peter and one of the others, the one John calls the one that Jesus loved, she tells them something's wrong, something's amiss. The, the stone is gone. The tomb is open. Throughout John's gospel, there is a tension between Peter and this other disciple that Jesus loved. Can you get at it? There's a little bit of picking at it. There's the Peter and the one that Jesus loved. You're Peter, and I'm the one that Jesus loved. I have to think that there's some some competition going on there, and maybe this is a way of seeing how the early church heard the story of Jesus and the power of the resurrection. Some of them heard it through Peter. And they heard Peter's testimony. They heard those people that Peter nourished. And then this other disciple, the one identified as the one who Jesus loves, people heard the story through him as well. There is this conflict going back and forth. And when Mary gets to them, to these two disciples, and she says, the stone is gone. I don't know where they put him. What are we going to do they both head out to that tomb. They want to see it. And they even race. They foot race. They run to see who's going to get there first. Even the sense of competition in that point is getting, is being shared with us. Can you imagine two of Jesus' disciples in competition to get there first? That competition is real. John describes the Last Supper as one where the the disciple that Jesus loved sat next to Jesus and not Peter. And the disciple that Jesus loved stood at the foot of the cross, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, and Clopas. But Peter wasn't there. And the disciple that Jesus loved raced Peter to the tomb, and he got there first. A little bit of competition going on. But then at the tomb, he lets Peter go in first to see what is there. Have you ever felt in competition with a brother or sister in Christ? Have you ever had a a conflict or a controversy with somebody or even a good argument? Well, you know, the mode of baptism is really important, and you have to be immersed or you have to be sprinkled. Or when we celebrate communion and we celebrate the Last Supper, Jesus' blood and body are really there. That's what we're taking part in. Or, no, it's just a memorial. It's just something that we do. Or maybe even you have to say what you believe by using a particular set of words, a particular formula, or you're not saved. Have you ever had that kind of conflict? In reality we're not that far removed in the church from those conflicts of Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved. And those conflicts can turn nasty and can turn into fights. It can get personal and even ugly. But Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved were there together brought together at the power, by the power of Easter. They were there at the tomb. They weren't there at the cross. They were there at the tomb where the stone was removed, where the way of entering the world by God's power was given new meaning. They saw. They saw that the tomb was empty, and they believed and John's gospel tells us pretty clearly they saw and they believed, but they didn't quite understand. They didn't quite comprehend, at least at least not yet. And then they left. But Mary, Mary stays. Mary Magdalene stays, and she sees two angels. And then she sees another figure. She's so distraught, she's weeping. Her vision must be clouded. They ask her why she is weeping. She says, they've taken my Lord. Where is he? And then a voice calls her name. And by calling her name, all those other things are removed. The uncertainty The challenge, the pain, it is cut through as Jesus, the risen Lord, calls her name. Something happens. The stone has been removed. Life is now different. Mary wants to grab hold of Jesus. You get the image, I think, of wanting to grab his feet and hold on to him. But he says, no, not yet. There's, there's more to do. Throughout John's Gospel, Jesus keeps saying to the disciples and to all of the people there, I will be returning to God, my Father and your Father. I'm going to be returning and preparing a way for you. And this is simply part of that preparation. So let me get on with it. Don't hold on to me because you have to hold on to each other and you have to hold on to the things that I will give you. The stone that had sealed the tomb had been removed and it opened up the possibilities for all sorts of new things. The stone was a way to keep the body in. It was to put a lid on it, literally. Like the tomb... We all, we, I, you, all of us, we have things that we want to keep in. And there are good reasons to keep things in. You know, you go to the doctor's office and you're going to have a blood test drawn and the technologist puts on gloves to make sure that there are no contaminations. There are reasons for protection. We live in a world where there is violence and there is fear. Just this week with the bombings in Brussels, we saw an awful side of that. Over the last year though, a thousand people around the world have been killed in similar sorts of attacks. In the Ivory Coast, in Turkey, in other places in Africa and Asia, and the United States, there have been these other attacks. We live in a world where we want to have our stones so that they will protect us. We want to have our families, our loved ones, ourselves. We want to have protection and security. Stones can be used for us to hide away to bury those things that we don't want other people to see. We can hide our burdens from others. We can even hide them or attempt to hide them from God. We can shut people out with our stones, with our barriers. We can build bastions. We could erect fortresses. We can construct walls. Trying to keep other people out and yet the gospel story is the stone was removed. Robert Frost penned the famous lines, good fences make good neighbors and that is often used and cited as a reason to keep barriers between people. Good fences make good neighbors, yes, but the poet asked further, why do they make good neighbors? Isn't it where there are cows? But here, there are no cows. Before I built a wall, I'd asked to know what I was walling in or walling out, and to whom I was like to give offense. At the tomb of Jesus, The stone is rolled away. The stone had been a way of securing the body in a small space, locking it out of sight, out of mind, so it wouldn't smell as it decomposed, so it wouldn't be an agent of decomposition away from the world. But the stone was gone and the body was gone. The stone was not simply something to protect the world but the stone was a doorway into a tomb it was a doorway into another world and the risen lord came back through the doorway into this world on that first easter morning mary came to the tomb and the stone was gone it wasn't there The end had become a place for a new beginning. The stone that was removed became for Mary and for Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved a new way of living, a new doorway, a new path. The stone being removed is for you and for me and for any who seek to follow Jesus a new doorway to life. To hope, to goodness. It's a new way of relating. The power of life is at work in the world. The stone had attempted to cover over, but it had been removed. Whatever brought you here today, may you find the stone in your life removed so that you may live life in Christ. Live life in Christ, fulfilling that commandment that He gave in John's Gospel. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. The stone is removed. Thanks be to God. Amen.